Today's scripture reading is from Mark chapter 6. Jesus left that place and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? And what is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own houses. And he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you, and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thanks, Lindsay. You may be seated. God's grace to you today. So I went to Disney World when I was a kid, and I vividly remember getting the oversized pencil with a tassel attached to its enormous eraser and the hot pink Mickey Mouse autograph book. My sister and I were determined to fill the pages of that book with all the autographs of the Disney characters that we encountered on our trip. And so at the end of the first action-packed day, I looked through my book, and I immediately noticed that something wasn't right. I had all these autographs, but I was missing Donald Duck. Instead, there was another name penned in. And so I gave my book to my dad, and he quickly discerned that instead of signing Donald Duck, you know how Donald Duck has like the big loopy D? cursive D. Instead, my autograph book had the signature of Bill Davis, the person inside the costume. <laughs> Talk about crushing to a five-year-old. I was expecting Donald Duck, and instead I got Bill Davis. Now, as we continue through Mark's gospel, it's becoming more and more evident that the Jesus we read about in each of these chapters is not always the Jesus we expect. We all have beliefs of who we think Jesus should be, and then as we spend more focused time in each of these gospels, we hear things and we learn things then 
that collide with our expectations. And this happened to me with this story. I expect that if Jesus is really God in flesh, that God's power should be fully accessible in all situations. And that Jesus, what Jesus is about, should not be impacted by the people around him. But this is not what we hear in this story. It is very interesting to notice how the people who encounter Jesus or the people who seek out Jesus actually have an impact on what Jesus does. There is something significant and observable in what happens when Jesus comes to this world and is in relationship and connects with the people around him. So here we are today. Jesus comes back to his hometown and he teaches there. He is returning to the people who have known him since his birth. His neighbors, his extended family, his people. But this hometown crowd is not impressed. They, they don't think of Jesus like other people who have not known them. They cannot believe that this local kid who has never had formal training is the one who is teaching with such authority and the one who is being sought out for acts of healing. Their disbelief is impairing their ability to receive what Jesus is extending to them. Mark writes, and Jesus could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus' power seems limited because of the disbelief, the lack of faith of the people around him. Now, in most cases, when our power feels stifled or denied, what do we do? We just come back stronger. We work harder. We're more assertive. We mark our territory to prove our control and to show our authority. But Jesus does something so different. When his healing power is not accepted, he then gives his power away. The story moves on from this disappointing welcome in Jesus' hometown. Jesus literally shakes off that dust of disbelief from those who have known him best, and he moves on to other towns to teach. It is there and then that he gathers his disciples, and he bestows on them his power to heal. Jesus literally releases his power to others and empowers them to share it. Jesus' instructions are odd and stark. You don't need to take anything to prepare yourself for this work. And you will not know who you are to heal until the situation presents itself. There is no plan. There's no itinerary other than to go, hit the road, 
You will have to rely on the graciousness of others for your room and board. If you encounter people who welcome you, then stay there. Extend your power and your healing presence. If people do not welcome you, then shake off that disappointment and unwelcome and keep moving on. That is how God's power is extended and healing is made known, by sharing it and receiving from others as we make our way in the world. This is such a different way to live, and it smacks up against our culture that screams that power expresses itself with money and control and if it's not received, then it needs to be forced even harder. In our world, power likes to remain set apart, and it's never given away. It has to be earned. Jesus shows us a different way, and it turns our sense of power inside out. It's not meant to keep. It's meant to be given away in our forming of relationships and coming close to people who we do not know well. Healing and restoration happen on the way, when we attend to the needs of others, and when we both receive and we give of ourselves. I think the most convicting and the most freeing message of this story may be when we realize that each of us holds the power to kill and the power to bring life. And this is held in what we do each and every day, intentionally or unintentionally. And that power is not meant to build up in order to suppress others or to make ourselves better. It's meant to be unleashed and given away and Jesus outlines the instructions for doing it. You can't prepare for it. You must be attentive and present and trust that God will be found in the connecting of people to heal, restore, and build. I hear this story when I think about Mount Olivet. We have been very intentional with the words that we use to describe our community, and we call it our identity here. And our identity is how we will be known as a community. And this is our identity, that we believe in the life-giving God revealed through Jesus, who shows up in daily life, engaging us in God's work in the world. We are a community who experiences a faith journey together with openness and compassion, wonder and expectation, trusting in the promises of Christ. We are a community who practices being church in the world by listening to God and neighbor, pointing to God's active presence, and doing what God calls us to do. Our identity is formed on the gospel that we hear today. We are given the promise of Jesus' healing power to love and to care for people, in the things that happen each and every day, in our daily life, and then to notice and respond and trust that God will be present as we extend this power to others. That is how God is made known through the world. And I have to tell you what surprised me 
is I learned this week how to do this from a fifth grader here at Mount Olivet. We have those little prayer squares that the knitters knit, and we invite people anytime you want to take that little prayer square with you, and it has a little blessing. But Nicole's mom shared this note with me. Nicole gave this to her friend, and the note says, Dear Abby, what you have in your hand is a prayer square. I thought whenever you were feeling lonely, sad, or disrespected, or when you can't sleep, you can rub your hands on the cross in the middle of the square, and you will know that God is with you to support you, to listen to you, to love you, and to help you. I am very sorry that Natalia was being mean to you and making you feel uncomfortable. I want you to know that I will always be there to listen and to help, and I hope that you do not get bullied anymore and that you are respected. Love, your friend, Nicole. What is so remarkable about Nicole's words and actions is that she just got up and went. And it is in that place where her friend felt no power is where Nicole entered and bestowed on her a renewed sense of power, that she wasn't alone, that love and friendship and presence was there. And it was a reminder for Abby that she is worthy and special. All of us will be anointed today with the word, Jesus' healing power is given to you. Jesus bestows on us his healing power. He gives it away and calls us to a life filled with the same, to go about our lives to notice, to observe, to open, to live openly to the needs of other people and how we receive from them and then we give to them and for it to be made known to us that God is here, especially when the world is expecting someone else. Let it be so healing. Amen.